0: Welcome, everybody, to the Robert, John, and the Rick podcast. We are a five-piece rock and roll band from Orange County, California, that travels the world eating local foods, drinking local drinks, and melting faces. I'm Steve. I'm Warren.
1: I'm Robert. I'm Henry.
2: I'm Andrew.
0: And this is episode 89. Welcoming back our very special guest for the second week in a row, Mr. Brett Malin.
1: Yay! Yeah.
0: Sitting next to me again.
1: Yeah, yeah, the uh, right.
3: the the jacket is stuck in the mail, Brett. But we do have it on its way. Right. <laughs> yes.
0: Great, great.
4: Five <laughs> timer, baby. Yeah. Yeah,
0: Brett. <laughs> Brett and I've been uh, been working on some new music uh, today and last Monday. Last mm-hmm. Monday, we we finished up the uh, your new short film. And uh, today we our started. Our New
4: Short. Our, I, I like to say our. Our New Short. It's a tune, Dude, yes. without your score, that film is not near what it is.
0: And uh, and today we put together a really hilarious tune. And uh, it's going to be coming out on uh, our so Patreon good. pages sometime soon. Yeah. So uh, <laughs> just got to finish it up.
4: We were at the. But- well, we were at. Uh, at uh, uh, yeah, we were uh, over at Parker uh, Macy's
0: yeah. uh, house. What was that two weeks ago? Yeah, with with Jimmy from Jimmy Hua from Big Monster,
4: and we were just hanging out playing. To, playing, I it was my first time meeting him. He, what an angel! And his laugh, I'm for real. He was such a nice guy, and his laugh, I mean, just infectious. We had a great time. It was it was a blast. We were just listening to tunes. We listened to uh, to uh, uh, Marvin Gaye's uh, live album. Uh, his Uh, what's going on live live it was
5: nice
4: honestly unbelievable like that dude and and their their band was i mean in every live band when you get to that level is tight but the changes the transitions between songs and like and the intros they did going into songs was nuts just so just unbelievable
0: and I, it's a new, it's an old recording, obviously, but it's a uh, newly found recording, and they just mixed it, um, and it came out last year or two years ago now in 2019, um, and yeah, the, the record was just wow. absolutely incredible. And Parker grilled up some uh, some burgers and sausages, and we had some some drinks and some shenanigans, and yeah, it was fun. And we, wrote, we came out with the song, and we were just like. Sitting around, you know, in the living room, and, and uh, as things happen, uh, something funny just came up, and we just ended up riffing on that for probably yeah. 30 minutes. A sad and, uh,
4: reggae song, basically. <laughs> <laughs> it's a sad, depressing reggae song that's funny. I mean, it's you know, meant to be funny, yeah, but uh, yeah,
0: it was great, nice. And then, uh, other than that, we this week. At least for me, I uh, I had a, a signing party uh, with the Toto guys on Wednesday, nice. um, and that was really dope. I uh, Got to go up to Luke's house, and uh, we just sat around and, and signed a bunch of posters and
4: they were making vinyl fun of jackets. Oh yeah, <laughs> he was two <laughs>
0: <laughs> so the the way that we were positioned, like sitting at the table, it was it was uh, Joe Williams. Uh, Xavier Taplin on the at the end of the table and then Joe Williams Luke Steve Lukather right to my right myself Warrenham on my left and then David Page um and we were just you know going through stacks of stuff and signing them and and uh I was getting I was in like this small zone so there wasn't really enough like room to place things um and Warren was right next to me and so he was signing and I didn't want, didn't want to like overload him but it was funny, Luke was on, on my right and just like was, you know, mm-hmm. signing them and then just kinda of, you know sliding them over to me and there's just this giant pile up and they're like, Oh, new guy. <laughs> it's like you gotta, the- <laughs> you gotta get your tour signature going on. <laughs> That's awesome. And stuff. So I it, love was, it, love it was it. fun though. We had a lot of laughs and and uh and it was it was really, really great great time. Going back up tomorrow morning to uh finish signing what I didn't get to today. And then June twenty fifth, uh the uh live stream that we did back in november they're turning it into a uh concert dvd um with the new documentary that that they filmed uh that i was a part of in back in january and uh putting it out as a double live lp as well so i'm i'm super pumped to, nice and my name's like right there all the band members names are right on the front and stuff so you can go to totoofficial.com and uh and put in a pre-order for that if if you so desire and then, uh, yeah, that was great.
6: And I got went the vinyl. I pre-ordered the vinyl.
0: Oh, hell yeah. Nice.
3: Yep. If you guys would have played Africa, I would have bought it.
0: <laughs> <laughs> it Soon. Life. Soon.
3: That was a joke. I'm yeah. sure. Everyone, everyone, I'm joking. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, and then we uh, we played a show this weekend, and uh, that was really fun. Uh, back at, at Hangar 24, and uh, it was dope. Brett, how was your
4: week? Well, uh, It was wonderful. Now, I mean, you guys are going to get into this, right? You're going to talk about what Hangar 24 is because I I didn't really realize what the venue was and the capacity that it was. And I don't know. You guys are going to talk about that, right? I just want to make sure because I think think that's so dope that, number one, they are putting together something like that. And two, that they're getting you guys to do it. Like, that's a huge gig. And I know you guys are all modest guys and you don't want to talk about yourselves, but I'm fine to talk about you. (laughs) so (laughs) i just want you to know like that's dope i mean from when our band you you, like playing at Piazza days to the gigs you guys are playing now in orange county like you guys are only playing big gigs basically unless it's like a you know unless you're playing Wayfair outside as like a i don't want to say a favor but like as a you know like a fun little gig that you're doing for fun you know i just think that i don't know i hope you guys just Every now and then, take a moment to see how far you've come because it's pretty amazing, man. Thanks, man. Yeah.
6: Thank you.
4: That's dope. Thanks, Brett. Absolutely. Yeah,
3: you—you've been watching this from the very beginning. Um, you know, you're the reason why I met Steve. So yeah, you've seen the, uh, <laughs> yes. you know, the the whole thing for the past you know twelve years. So coming from you means a lot. Appreciate
4: it, dude. Absolutely, man.
3: But Warren, Warren, why don't you start and and tell us how hangar was for you
6: well i guess i could start by explaining what hangar is for anybody who doesn't know hangar 24 is a brewery in irvine california um and they have three locations they have one in havasu uh they have one in redlands and they have one in irvine the one in irvine is their newest location and um Uh, They just started, well, they kind of just opened up right before COVID happened, and then obviously COVID happened, everything shut down, but they opened up in this office kind of complex that um, has a very large outdoor area, and uh, when John Hampton went there, who runs Hampton Productions and OC Music Showcase he saw the potential of how big the spot, the space was. And he had the ability to bring the stage and the lights. And uh, he, they, they gave him one night <clears throat> and we actually played that show in like, I think it was November or something. November. Yeah. And, uh, and it was a big success and they were super excited about it. So we turned it into a, a concert series that started in I think like March and has been running every Saturday at that Irvine location and, um, yeah, it's been awesome. It's a big outdoor venue. Um, and, uh, you know, it's big enough that people can stay COVID separated or, you know, it, there's also people who don't wear masks, but it is, uh, it is COVID friendly. It's a big area. And, uh, we've been playing there this is our second show we did this past Saturday and it was great to see all of our fans and friend friends and family. Um, yeah, it's just always a good time playing music, getting to play for people. Again, getting the wheels started rolling. And, uh, and, then in the, and then the best part about the weekend, this one in particular, is we got to play. It was a great show. All of our friends were there and fans. Um, but then we got to celebrate John Hampton the day after yeah. on Sunday um, because it was his birthday. So happy birthday to you, John Hampton. Um, and we had quite a fun time. Uh, on sunday just hanging out and kind of decompressing uh which is rare because i feel like john is always in uh production mode so to speak so it's it's nice to have everybody there nobody has a gig nobody has to do anything we can kind of just hang out and uh yeah and then and then you guys can get it even what that was because that that was an amazing (laughs) thing in itself too so um it was a really good weekend. Uh, so thank you to anybody who's listening or watching uh, that came out. We had a great time, and we hope you guys enjoyed yourself. And uh, we can get into some more of the details of why this show was even cool, cooler this weekend with some of the other guys here. How was your weekend, Robert?
3: Yeah. Um, I'm just going to mention uh, we, we had a couple of special guests play with us. Um, which really rounded out the whole sound and the whole set, my um, good friend Adrian was on backing vocals um and she just she 's just fantastic uh she nailed it and it just it rounded out the whole sound it 's kind of like you know what what you hear on the record is uh you know kind of like in person if you will um so it was just really nice to have her there for all the backgrounds um and even you know the the one new song we played was she killed that too yeah um
4: wait what new one did you which was just a
3: lot of fun we played a new song called every day
4: okay
3: and uh yeah it was just great and also um we had some uh good friends of of the band and, and all of us um amy and al their kids are uh basically small little rock stars um but they haven't really figured out that they are rock stars yet but they are um and steve invited kai up to sing old friend and he just nailed it. It was
0: so fun. Um, oh my God. You know, I, I
3: don't know how old Kai is. Maybe he's like six years old or seven, probably six. Um, and so if you go online, you'll see some photos and some uh, video. But um, he's been, you know, since, ever since he's been like two years old or able to walk, he's been, you know, trying to go up on stage and click my pedals and just wants to be a part of the limelight. So it's been, uh, and he's also the ring bearer in my wedding. Um, so it's kind of like a little family little family party on stage for that little bit, which was really cool. Um, you know, we're, we're kid friendly band with like my kids. Absolutely. <laughs> so that was a cool thing. And I'll Henry and Andrew take it from there.
1: Um, I'm going to talk about something a little different. Um, cause, cause I can't really add anything to that. Um, aside from the fact that I got <laughs> to play a new guitar uh, I think I think it's the first time I played my new guitar with you guys, or maybe the second time. But it was cool. I played my Firebird. I thought it sounded amazing. Yeah. It felt amazing. Right. We're both rocking Epiphones on stage, and uh, they sound as good as any Gibson's out there, in my opinion, that I've heard or played. Um, mine feels as good as any Gibson I've played. Um, it feels good, man. It feels good to be, uh, <clears throat> you know playing with a new medium because every kind of guitar feels different in your hands and, and makes you play different things. And um, it's cool to have something that that feels uh, sort of evocative of the vibes I'm trying to uh, create on stage. And uh, this this Firebird is, is really helpful with that. Uh, it's, it's definitely a rock and roll guitar. Like the sound and the feel of it is very, you know, very very much just screams rock and roll um but aside from that i started a new job this week which i'm really excited about uh and that is working with local legend mr parker macy at the uh nice boutique record store at the lab in costa mesa uh cream tangerine and um I'm going to be working there on weekdays going forward. Uh, I'm going to be working there every week, Monday through Thursday. Um, you know, obviously unless, uh, other obligations come about, but, but otherwise that's going to be my, my daytime gig. And I'm really excited for it. Um, the last couple days I've worked there, I worked there a little bit this weekend and I actually just worked there today and, uh, I will be working there tomorrow and Wednesday and Thursday. And, um, yeah all those days in the future and uh it's it's so cool um i really dig it um but i have been going to that record store for i mean since it opened really for for almost 10 years or over 10 years actually now that i think about it's it been more than 10 years that i've been going to that shop and um i found out about it because i saw parker open for uh bb king around the same time that he was opening uh, the shop. I think he opened the shop maybe shortly afterwards. Um, And, uh, and I was like, Oh, that's the guy that opened for BB King. Oh my God. He opens a record store. And so I used to be that kid that would go and buy, you know, like a record or two at the shop and be like, are you guys hiring? Like, I want to work at this record store. Like I know a lot about records and blah, blah, blah. And like, maybe next time, buddy, you know, yeah, maybe another time. And then turns out I actually become friends with Parker and, uh, and good friends with Parker at that. And, um, so I've been, I've been kind of vying for this position for a while and it just sort of happened that way. And, um, I'm really stoked for it. Um, it's so cool to get to sort of create the vibe in my own little corner of the lab. Um, it's like an outdoor mall for those that don't know about it. Uh, it's just this cool outdoor mall area that like they call it an anti mall and you can, you know, basically just open kind of area, and, um, the shop that, that I work at is this big, uh, Chrome Airstream trailer. So I can just kind of put on whatever record I feel like listening to. And it's super cool kind of watching people walk by and getting drawn in by what's being played, or maybe they see, you know, one of the many things that are sold there. Um, it's not just records. There's, there's a couple other cool things that, uh, we sell at the shop and, um, yeah. I'm just really stoked on it. Uh, it's, it's something that works for me and I get a, a degree of fulfillment out of it that, um, I probably wouldn't at any other sort of retail oriented job. So, um, if you're ever in Orange County or you live in Orange County, come pay me a visit. I work there, uh, you know, all day we were open from noon to seven, uh, seven days a week, and I'm there Monday through Thursday um, holding it down. So if you ever get an itch to uh, check out some records, if you're into vinyl, if you just like checking them out, or if you want to you know, see what we have to offer and kind of get a feel for it, I am there, and I would be more than happy to see you and maybe help you on your journey of vinyl collections and whatnot. Um, and they have all of the Robert John, the wreck there as well. It's and Henry true. can sell you, I could sell you a record, my own record. <laughs> actually. We, not only do we have Robert John on the wreck vinyl. Uh, we also have vinyl professor from, Columbo too. from my previous group, professor Columbo available at the shop as well. So I can sell you, uh, we sell Robert lots of local a great artists, local selection. Yeah. Local artists, uh, independent up and coming bands, uh, from, from all over, all over the world, actually. Um, yeah, it's, it's really cool. Um, if, you, if you haven't been, please check it out. It's a really cool little operation, and I'm really stoked to be more involved in it uh, as an actual employee. And um, not only
6: that, they ship internationally, too. We also
1: ship internationally. Yes, so we do.
6: In case you're listening and you're in a faraway place, you can go to creamtangerine.com. And get some of that cool shit, too.
1: Absolutely. And there's, <laughs> there's a lot of it. There's a lot of cool stuff. Um, anyways, how about you, Andrew? Um, have you sold any of those candles yet? The rock and roll candles that look like yes. a, a Catholic <laughs> church candles? I sell a lot of them, actually. I sold at least six of them today. Nice. And uh, over the weekend, I probably sold 20 of them.
6: Who's the most popular?
1: Um, Harry Styles, of course, <laughs> either Harry Styles or um, what is it? Uh, they have like the bachelorette guy, oh. like, he's got a bachelorette guy <laughs> design. There's come, all these on, pop culture references come on, America, come on, America. I have to ask, Jesus. like, I don't know what it's from because I'll do inventory. I'll be like, well, who the fuck is this guy, Parker? He's like, oh, it's from this thing. Oh, okay.
2: <laughs> <laughs> um. I love that oh, you need more, to ask Henry. One more question. Have you had to sell people hip hop yet? And have you had to deal with what Parker's talking about? Where you're like, know everything about records
1: except hip hop. So <laughs> actually not yet, not, not yet. I haven't, I haven't had to, uh, had to do that quite yet. Um, and I'm in the, the same I know, I know about more or less, I have a, I have a pretty good knowledge about pretty much everything, but hip hop myself, uh, do you guys have any
2: kanye records kanye <laughs> is that <an> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah 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 he's been uh you know topping the charts for uh 15 years now <laughs>
1: right right well you know what's I, funny I, i've is never
2: it, heard of him. it's
1: like one of the few <laughs> hip-hop records we just got in uh, a hip-hop record one, one of the few that i actually enjoy it's this, this Kendrick Lamar record oh yeah and nice. i saw nice. it in our new arrivals i was like parker i'm gonna take this like you know, and obviously paid with an employee discount or whatever. It was like, "Nah, I'm, I'm, I'm taking this. Nice. <laughs> I don't have it in my collection. Probably. So it's also become a really dangerous job for me, as you can imagine, <laughs> because every time I see something cool, which I see at least five to ten cool things a day, I'm like, oh, I kind of want that.
3: Yeah, You're gonna, gonna end up not program making program. any
1: money. <laughs> I'm not I'm Cause cause I'm just gonna make <laughs> like, oh, this like, put on my credit. <laughs> and Parker's
0: gonna be like, hey, you, I'm going
4: on tour.
1: I can get. I'm get, I'm week, get uh, so don't can worry, pay. man. I'll right. pick up
0: another shift. I've worked.
1: I've worked three shifts there, and I've already bought six records. Oh
4: god. <laughs> Parker's like, yeah, man. I can hire this guy at work, and I'll make money. Actually. Yeah. Pretty much. Pretty much.
2: Um. I was mixing our record. I was doing the final mixes with our engineer and mixer, Jeff Frickman. Um, And so I was not getting a lot of sleep this weekend while we were playing these shows because I'd go either from mixing to the show the next day, or I think we were mixing until like three, and then we just mixed the next afternoon, and then we played Hangar. And I actually got some sleep. But then the next day, we finished at like five in the morning or something last night. Steve had to retrack a vocal <laughs> thing at like one, which was pretty cool.
4: <laughs> that's tight. Did you track it here? Oh yeah. Tight. Yeah, dude. That's rock and roll. It was man. one of those I things where it's like, "Hey,
2: Steve, do you think you can do this? I know it's one a.m. and I didn't tell you anything about this, but that's prime time this for thing. this it's guy. Like, All right, I got it. Yeah, and it was there within like, I don't know." 15 minutes or something like that he wasn't even home when we talked about it the first time so kudos to steve for getting that done and then i think jeff if there's
3: anyone on the planet that that you can i was gonna say if there's anyone on the planet that can record a vocal track at 1 a.m and you need it like now it's definitely steve
2: Yeah, no, It was awesome. I, I said that to Jeff, actually. It's like, who else could we get to do that? <laughs>
0: <laughs> and I got give, to gotta give a shout out to uh, my roommate Ryan. Only one for, man on the planet. For being a total sweetheart about all those late night vocal takes and shit. <laughs>
2: um, he puts up with a lot I see from me. Steve do that a lot. He'll just go like, hold on, I have to track this thing. And we, I look at my watch, and I'm like, is it like 2.30? Like, are you sure you should be doing this right now? And he's just screaming his ass off in his room. <laughs> <laughs> it's like yeah, yeah, yeah. I gotta get this, this is down. perfect.
0: It's better, better that than the, than the uh, night terrors, you know.
2: Oh, God, <laughs> uh, no. So I was doing that with Jeff, and uh, so it was dangerous because the last night we were there, we only have one song to finish, and then we were just doing like last touch ups, like vocal up, vocal down, like. And then if we're in there, we might do this little thing. Really, you don't have you know much say after that because you, you you can't play with it too much or you'll fuck everything up because really like one db in a direction anything will sound bad once you get to that last final balance it's like so delicate that you really have to pick your notes like really really extremely carefully and sometimes it's not even like one db up it's like one db up on an eq and it changes everything and now this thing pokes out or something like that so it's really really subtle changes at the very end and so and that's not as hard of work as doing the other stuff that's like pretty easy, and we just either hear it or we don't. We go, do we care or we don't. It goes really fast. So uh, for John's birthday, I bought him a couple bottles of tequila because that's what we do on John's birthday. We just throw out a bunch of bottles of tequila, <laughs> and then uh, they somehow disappear. And I was talking to the sales guy. Quickly. And I like Mezcal. So I bought a bottle of Mezcal for myself when I was buying John his stuff. And I took it over to Jeff's. Thinking that uh, oh like we'll just take it over and like we'll just drink some mezcal and uh, we'll just be mixing this record as long as we need to and we'll probably be done pretty quick and we go and we do notes and we figure out what's wrong so we do, like the last car notes and the whole record has been bounced and we start drinking that bottle of mezcal and then as we go through the car notes uh, now car notes sorry that bottle what car so notes ahead.
4: meaning meaning you. Went in the car and you listen to it. Yes, right. yes, exactly. Okay, yeah,
2: because most people listen to music in their cars. Yeah, <clears throat> you want to make sure it sounds good there. You know your system. You car s- speaker systems are like pretty average compared to you know Jeff's like whatever ten thousand dollars speakers that we were talking about on one of the last podcasts. So it's just a really good reference place because if it sounds good there, it's going to sound good everywhere. Yeah. So we were doing notes in the car. We were drinking mezcal and we just kept going because we just kept having more little notes and uh we're all drinkers and Jeff's a pretty heavy drinker too and I thought I was gonna get that bottle of mezcal back so I can have some <laughs> at home and we drank probably like 90 percent of that bottle between the two of us wow. doing these mixed notes and going back and forth and it was like it was really good mezcal and it just disappeared and I was like how did that happen but it was cool because then we just started getting like looser and looser and like, you know, yeah. Um, this record sounds so good. We just started pumping each other up. You know what I mean? Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah. This is going to be great. And I feel like me and Jeff are a little more neurotic anyways because we're the perfectionists when it comes to those things. So, um, you know, being excited is never how I feel at the end of a mix. It's so always like terror. <laughs> you <know>? <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. So uh, it's like, oh, my God, like, we're going to put this thing out. We're, like, never going to get to touch it again. I have, like, things I hate about this for the rest of my life. And, you know, it's all the fear stuff. I think by the end of it, we were like, this sounds really good. And uh, I listened to it on the way home. And I had, like, drank, whatever, a million glasses of water before then. And then uh, I uh, went to Jack in the Box and got food and sat in the drive-thru line for, like, you know, listening to the mixes. And I was like, this sounds really good. (laughs) Okay. I don't think I've ever done that in a long time where I actually like, get mixes back and it's like, this is the best version of this thing it could have possibly been. I, I never believed that about mixes. I haven't bl- we've been mixing records for 10 years. I've never felt that way about anything. And so, yeah, I, I oh. thought it came out really good. I'm really... Uh... <laughs> so, can you put up Amanda's comment? Yeah. Because <laughs> <laughs> I've definitely bought it with Amanda. So Amanda always has to sing me. <laughs>
0: Uh, Amanda said, so that's what happened to the call. You told me you lost it.
2: <laughs> that's why you came home so late. <laughs> yeah, I got home at 5. Um, and yeah, at 5 a.m. I was texting Jeff and I gave him one note. I was like, can I cash in my one note <laughs> at 5 a.m.? He's like, yeah, sure. <laughs> so I had one more little note that I got in at 5 a.m. and then went to bed. So the record is because like, once it goes into the mastering, you almost can't do much. Like, right. it's it is it's going to be what it is. Yeah, like, uh And our mastering guy is good. Jeff likes him. I like him. So if it gets to mastering and something happened, it means we screwed up, not the mastering guy. So I, I feel like a huge weight is lifted off my shoulders because these we've been writing this record for how long now? Like six months, seven months, or something like that. We've been working on the songs, putting everything together. So uh, it is starting to feel real. <laughs>
4: I said it last week. Well, and here's I'll say it here's it. to being up till five. Yes, yeah, yeah. so cheers to yeah. that. Multiple cheers. nights. Sounds Yo, amazing. that's what it takes. Cheers. I, and on, I, on that
3: note, yeah. tell us what you're drinking.
4: Start with me. Yeah, yeah, go for it. All right,
2: I am drinking a uh, glass of tempranillo.
7: Ooh.
2: Uh, nice. This is a Trader Joe's tempranillo. It's called La Granja or La Grana, probably. <laughs> uh. It's actually a blend. It's 60% Tempranillo, 40%... Gar- Grenache. Gamasha? Is that what it's called, huh. Robert? Robert's more the wine guy. I haven't,
3: I haven't heard, heard of gamasha. I feel like anyway. usually a Tempranillo is mixed with like a Grenache or something. But
2: Oh. That's exactly it's good. what it is.
4: Grenache. Oh. <laughs> um, <laughs> Grenache.
2: It look like an M. My bad. Uh, anyways, uh, it's good. It's light. Um... It's it's got that Tempranillo like boldness to it, but it's sort of like more like a Pinot, or it's a little waterier. But uh, good, I like it. Henry, what are you drinking?
1: Um, I actually just picked this up from Steve today. Yeah. Uh, this is a, and by today I mean like half an hour ago, or well, I guess I guess we've been doing this uh, like an hour ago. Uh, this is a Crimson Bouquet. Yes. Uh, fruited sour IPA with raspberry Ooh, and black damn. currant from Mason Aleworks out of San Diego, California. Uh, it doesn't taste alcoholic at all, um, which is extremely dangerous. Uh, and that's like. If you guys want to guess yeah. how much the percentage is 4.5. 7.8. 7. 8.1.
0: I have one here as well, so I'm. I'm
1: uh, oh, so I'm, you I'm already happy. know, <laughs> yeah. uh, Robert. I, I'm guessing you must have seen it because you you guessed exactly right on 8.1. Oh. No, nope, I have no idea. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you literally you <laughs> literally nailed it. It's I'm just eight, really eight good, good at guessing. Good job, well done. I applaud that. Good job, nice. 8.1. You get a gold star. Find a gold star sticker. And it. Give it to you next time <laughs> I see it. What are you drinking? You better.
2: How is that beer? That seems funky. Um,
3: so. It I'm it drinking a, Dose like a beer, of beer, which is very sorry,
2: uncommon. <laughs> Go ahead. Sorry.
3: Yeah, like, well, no, I, I would like to know too because you didn't really talk about how it tastes. Oh, oh, so you sorry about it. shit. Um, sounds good. Like, does it does it taste good?
1: Do you enjoy a, it? I do enjoy it very much. Uh, I'm already like almost How Does it well, make you feel inside. done? Uh, I mean, especially after working today and talking to people a lot of the day um, it's really nice uh, I feel like I earned this today um, it's uh it's obviously got the fruity kind of floral thing going on with it um, it's definitely definitely got the sour thing going on um, I want to say it reminds me of a rose almost it's like a cross between like uh, like a like a if there was a dark version of a rosé, like I don't taste the IPA in it at all. I don't know how this, how this gets labeled as an IPA. Cause I don't taste the IPA in it whatsoever. Um, and it doesn't, it doesn't really taste boozy either, which is why I was saying it's, it's really dangerous. Cause like, I, I would never have guessed that this had, first of all, had alcohol in it. If you just like gave it to me and we were like, drink this, uh, let alone 8.1% alcohol. Um I don't know. It, I, I really like it. Um I don't want to say it's really good because it's the most generic thing, but I do really like it a lot and it is really good. Um and it it's definitely right up my alley in terms of, of flavor profile. Um not nice. too sweet, not too sour, very balanced in those things. Um it definitely reminds me of like a more um what, sharp? Like a like a sharper uh, rose sharper, like darker rosé, like kind of like some of the ones we've had out in Europe, um, more so than, than like a beer. And it definitely, it definitely feels lighter, um, on the palate doesn't have the heaviness to it that a lot of like IPAs have feels very light, at least to me. Nice. Uh, anyways, what are you drinking, Robert? Well, um,
3: uh, I'm drinking a docent. Um, but it's a new docent that I haven't had before. They just tapped it, I think, uh, last week or something. Nice. It's called, um, Called Coveralls, and it's a double IPA. And I'm basically going to say exactly what Henry said: is that it's a double IPA, and I'm not usually a double IPA guy, but it tastes lighter than most IPAs that I've ever had. Um, it's delicious and it's really good, but the dangerous part is the percentage again, just like Henry just said. Uh, do you guys want to guess the percentage of it, even though you guys haven't had it? Nine.
4: Yeah, I'm going to go nine, nine point five. Okay. Ten
2: point
1: five. Eight point five. Ten point Whoa, nine point six.
3: No, it's it's only eight point four. But uh, Whoa, what a
4: letdown, man.
3: <laughs> well, there it is. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well no but no but see it tastes it tastes as light as like a you know you know, a, just like a blonde ale or something. It's it's like it's like a session IPA, but at eight point four it's really dangerous. So we'll see how the end of the podcast goes, but um, <laughs> yeah, it's it's delicious. Uh, I've I haven't I, I tried it at I tried it there, but I wanted to have it on the the podcast for a little bit. And it's called Coveralls, and it's delicious. Once again, Rependocent, if you're in the area, Samuel Capistrano, head down there, grab some beers. Um, they're tapping my favorite beer in the world on Friday, so it's called Retreat, and I'll I'll be oh, yeah. I'll be there drinking it. At some point of the weekend. Warren, what are you drinking?
6: I picked up a sample pack or whatever it's called of a Kona. I'm drinking something called a Kua Bay India Pale Ale. I haven't had this one. They have the, the big wave in there that I know we've all have, have had. And then the long board, which I feel the like everybody board. has if you have it on tap. And then, what was
2: the other one in there? Uh, they had an IPA called Fire Rock, and that one is different yeah. from that one.
6: Oh, That's yeah. There's no Fire Rock in there. But this one's interesting. It, it's dark. It's very, like, it's hoppy. I guess it's like an IPA, but it's very, I don't know, it has a dark taste to it. Like, kind of smoky, but not smoky. Um, yeah. You know, I would I'd say definitely not my favorite out of theirs, but worth a try because um, you know I like Kona we went to the brewery one time we had a good played a gig in Hawaii and uh, we, did. we all got to go there and sample the beer straight from the source that was a fun fun time yeah that was great so um, yeah it was cool to get the sample back it's like I'm right back there in Hawaii <laughs> <laughs> anyway what about you Brett what do you got
4: uh, Stevie, let me try uh, some of this. Uh, it's called Days of Sunshine, and it is also from uh, Mason Ale Works, uh, and it's a uh, a Mike Clevenger collab. It's a nice light IPA, uh, but uh, it's great. Honestly, I love it. It's a, a really nice, uh, smooth light IPA. Just enough hoppiness, uh, you know, to fix your IPA. Yearning and uh, but it's not overbearing, it's not you know, sometimes you have those IPAs that are bigger. It's like, oh, I'm definitely gonna sip on this,
0: yeah.
4: This isn't you know, it's not too bitter, so it's really nice.
0: And I'm drinking the same thing that uh, Henry's drinking the Crimson Bouquet uh, from Mason Ale Works, which I got at uh, Taps Brewery and Barrel House in Tustin, California. Uh, it was it was really fun on la- so last Sunday when we played out in Arizona um after the show and we went back to that uh if you listen to uh last week's episode we talked about this where everybody was staying was at this like crazy pool and they built the pool first and it's right on the river and and all that and uh i met uh James who is uh the brewer there at taps and also Aaron who is the operations and uh marketing director Uh, for taps and she invited me to come in and we sat and before the hangar gig and I tried probably I just got flight after flight um and (laughs) tried almost all of the uh the the beverages that they have available there and then Aaron was kind enough to uh to send me home with with a bunch of uh of their beer which I've been meaning to get to you guys I got some to Henry um, this evening, and then the rest of it I'll, I'll get to you guys tomorrow night. Um, but it's all fantastic, man. Like, the, the crazy... I don't think I've been to a brewery um, that has as wide of a breadth of uh, flavor profiles and different types of, of, of drinks and flavors. Normally, it's like you can kind of tell they're all the same, you know, brewery. And this this one, like, you know, the, this uh, Crimson Bouquet is it just is incredible and super light and 8.1%. And then, uh, I also got some of their, uh, they have a barrel aged Doppelbach that I got a crawler of. Um, and, uh, and that was just insane and boozy and complex. And they've got, uh, ciders and stuff that they're doing as well. So I was just, it was really neat to go and, and just sit and Aaron, thank you so much for, uh, for the support. And, uh, and for letting us try all this good
4: stuff. Thank you for the free beer, Aaron. Hell yeah. 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 So,
0: yeah, I'm pumped. And I'm, I can't wait for you, the rest of you guys to try it because it's all real good. Yeah, it's
4: good beer. Seriously.
1: All I got to say is great minds think alike, Steve. Yeah, buddy. Good <laughs>
4: job. Cheers. Cheers, guys. Cheers, everybody. And you know what goes great Cheers. with good beer?
1: What? Good
0: conversation? <laughs> Pretzels. Good, uh, good clothes.
1: Good clothes. Goldfish Packers. cool shirt. <laughs> <laughs> We're tacos. just kidding. Steve, Steve, what, what is, is it? What is it, kid guys? Henry knows. I know what it is. Yeah, what is it, Steve? Um, <laughs> well, it's... It, Steve, what is it? <laughs> it starts with... A,
4: <laughs> it's music. Yeah.
1: Hey, I was gonna, oh,
2: I was gonna
4: give some oh, more okay, hints. So it's it. gonna
1: be like, it rhymes it. with Cusick.
4: <laughs> it rhymes um, with John Cusack.
1: Anyways, it's over. There's the the surprise is finished. Music? You all knew this was coming, anyways. <laughs> if you listen okay. to this podcast before, you know it's time for this segment. Yeah. Um, Steve, what is it for real? But
3: <laughs> well, there's people who haven't listened to it before. Yes.
1: <laughs> oh, you're right. It's music. Steve, is it? Is music it It's music. <laughs> It's time for it's time for Henry's sister. Yeah, 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 <laughs> yeah. Okay. It's time for Henry's sister. <laughs> okay. Henry well, sister,
0: listen. I said it.
1: I said it. I said. You're it. Still okay. gonna make
0: a bumper for that.
1: Uh, let <laughs> me do my thing, okay? Let me finish. Um, Just Hit this mute button. <laughs> if if you're in the uh, if you're if you are listening live right now, and you are, let's see anywhere earlier than the eastern time zone it is currently april the 26th um and a cool thing that happened on april 26th in the year 1978 is the concert film the last waltz by the band debuted in yeah. theaters and um i'm sure a lot of people have seen it um i've seen it probably at least a dozen times um it's amazing i love it it's great I just wanted to, you know, send some appreciation out there for um, the people that have inspired me to do what I do and make me do what I want to do better than I have been doing it. And uh, the band is obviously um, a, a fixture of you know, kind of the, I guess, sort of the great American songbook in a way. And uh, they've written some of the greatest songs of all time and uh, have really done it in a really unique way. I think, I think it's really, it's kind of difficult to categorize the band in one genre. They really like blurred the lines between a bunch of different things and um, just have their own sound, you know, uh, basically uh, under themselves you know it's like the band just sounds like the band and it's not it's not quite country it's not quite folk it's not quite reggae or roots or folk music or rock it's sort of this really cool blend of a lot of different influences that's really honestly i've i've had a really hard time quantifying it um and they really just own it like it like nobody really sounds like them they do their own thing it's really really cool and all the songs are amazing um and this concert film had a big part in sort of me wanting to be a songwriter and a performer. I remember my stepdad showing it to me when I was just getting into playing guitar. Um, and I thought it was super cool. I thought it was so unique and like, and kind of odd um, th- like their sound is, is just so, so different and, and unique in its own thing. Um, and what was cool about this was they had a lot of different guest performers come on stage. Uh, Bob Dylan, Paul Butterfield, Eric Clapton, Neil Diamond, Dr. John, Emmaloo Harris, Ronnie Hawkins, Joni Mitchell, Van Morrison, um, t- Mavis Staples, the whole Staple singers uh, group, Ringo Starr, Stephen Stills, Muddy Waters, just, you know, insane uh, amount of, you know, what, what a, what a great way for an amazing band to sort of sign off uh, even though they did wind up getting back together years later, but, but this was sort of their finale of their initial initial stint of their career. Um, and the other cool thing about this concert is that they hired like a massive, I, I want to say new Orleans style horn section, uh, which was really, really cool and is heavily featured on this song. We're going to listen to, I think this is probably my favorite song on the last waltz. Um, and it's one of my favorite songs of the band ever wrote. Um, So we are going to listen to life is a carnival from the last waltz. Uh, hope you enjoy. Nice.
4: I love the brass yeah. those
0: rakes are always so fun man they're like bah! things that yeah. the horns do yeah i love that shit
4: i'm a sucker for brass listen i played trumpet freshman year then i got moved over to trombone was section later my my <coughs> senior year but uh no seriously i'm a sucker for brass i love wait i don't know if you guys remember this from jason mraz uh on his uh the, I can't remember what it's called, but the album that's a butterfly. Oh yeah, yeah. float on by. The brass that he had play on that album was so good. Even okay, I don't even listen to Beyonce that much, but her homecoming live album because of the band and the brass, I'm like, I was listening to it all the way down here to Orange County today. It's so mm-hmm. good.
0: But she's the queen bee. But actually,
2: we've known the guy who played and uh, uh, arranged the stuff on that Jason Mraz record for a really long time. His name is Ben Adamson. <laughs> Me and Robert have been friends with him for like probably over ten years. He arranged you know the brass Adamson, on
4: that. He arranged the brass on that. On that, yeah, gig? yeah. yeah. He did what sound the for fuck? For Kamasi
2: Washington for a long time. That's who Mike uh, Wilson, who has been on this podcast as well, got the gig from with Ben Adamson. Oh, nice! I didn't know uh, that. Cool. I hope I yeah, get to meet him somehow. The someday. guy who uh, played trumpet and uh, arranged all that stuff for Jason Mraz. I will I talk heard he is. never got paid for it.
7: <laughs> what? Well, that's crazy. That
4: it's so good. The and you know what's great about it is the dynamics. Like all of the different dynamics he finds in it is just I mean, adds so fucking much to it. It's unbelievable. Okay, wait. So I got to yeah, add. That's cool. uh, wait, do you guys have any, I I got a few questions. Do you guys have anything Is there anything next on the agenda? I don't want to bump the. There's one more thing I wanted to say about
6: that track, though, that I feel like is identifiable that we've talked about is, um, and it's so pronounced in the track is uh, Levon Helm's ride cymbal playing. I love the way he plays his ride cymbal and he plays the bell. And he almost has a characteristic that if he was just playing by himself, he could be like, oh, like, that's Levon Helm, which I think we've talked about mm-hmm. a really difficult thing to do. Very
1: recognizable immediately. Like, do, yeah. like you can hear any like anything he does, and you're like, oh, that's Levon Helm. Like, you'll hear yeah. him on, like, he's on, like, <laughs> guest spots on, you know, people's albums, and I'm like, that has to be Levon Helm playing drums on that song. Like, Like, nobody else does that on the drums.
6: Yeah. And I feel like that song demonstrates that very oh, really yeah. well.
1: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Just, just a huge part of, of that sound and, and that, that whole vibe being its own things. Like, like nobody plays drums like him and, and nobody has since like a lot of people try to get the groove down like, you can try to transcribe his parts, but it's, but it's also the way he's putting things. And obviously, you know, like, like I'm not like a, a, a crazy drummer myself, but I can, here, in there, it's like, dude, this is, this is wild. Just the style this guy has. And it's, it's just so unique and uh, interesting.
2: Yeah. Yeah, he's awesome. Rest yeah. in peace.
1: Yeah, absolutely.
2: Mm-hmm. He plays perfectly in yeah. time I, with I the mean, kick and snare. Sorry, mm-hmm. we're going to talk about drumming stuff. Yeah. Uh, he plays perfectly in time with kick and snare, and he's basically playing percussion with himself with the right symbol And the red right symbol in a lot of these songs like, never repeats. He's just like, it just goes where it goes,
5: <laughs> right. and
2: it's so hard to sort of like figure that thing out. Yeah, and I, I love that playing, and I've tried to throw it in uh, where I can, you know. Mm-hmm. And there's a lot of stuff I'd steal from that, and um, Henry's track on this other record was like very, uh, Leave On that we're doing. Oh yeah, currently yeah. it was very like Leave On inspired and stuff like yeah, that. Yeah, so totally. That's cool. Yeah, we definitely love the band. Robert, what were you gonna yeah. say?
3: I was gonna say I haven't seen The Last Waltz as much as Henry has. I have probably only seen it like six times, and not like fifteen. <laughs> um, but they also have that full that full concert on vinyl, right? Um, yeah, it's like a four four vinyl uh, packet, right. and it's it's just it's just as good as 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 watching it because you can just hear everything, mm-hmm. um, and it's just uh, and you can also pick that up at Cream Tangerine sometimes. So there, there's a there's a whole full circle thing.
1: Yep, absolutely. Another interesting thing that I just found out uh, by our good buddy, Research Randy, is uh, Levon Helm actually passed away uh, a week ago, uh, nine years ago. Wow. I was
2: like, what? Like a week ago?
1: <laughs> <laughs> a week ago nope. in two thousand. Yeah, Wow, so, this is anniversary. In, interesting, yeah. It, it, almost, almost on the anniversary. Just past the anniversary of his passing, but wow. on, on a week. So,
3: interestingly I enough, know. in his, in his, his older years too, he was he was an actor. It. He was in a right? couple movies. Yeah.
6: Yep. What movies?
3: He Maybe? was an actor. I, I don't a a know a movie, but he was definitely <laughs> in movies. Yeah.
6: He's well, he star. was in the Last Waltz, right? Going to make you a star, and
3: yeah. uh, and also. <laughs> Uh, also, uh, Levon Helm has some solo records too that are that like, like just sound it's, like the band, but obviously yeah. it's not the band. It's just Levon. But like Levon was really like that sound of the band because the solo records sound exactly like the band, right? Uh, and they're We're they're really great too. Of, like, if you the, ever see the them, hits, I don't right? know what the record I have is, but it.
0: And what'd you say? I mean,
3: the you record did... I have oh, is, is, ahead, go is go just ahead. straight up original songs.
2: Uh, I was listening to some of those Levon records too the other day, and it's interesting because it's like a much more modern set. Oh, I was the saying drums the are thicker. Right. We can't get it today. If we're just talking all over each other. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. No. Uh, I, was I-, I think to- I
3: think my computer's <laughs> freaking out. I'm gonna I'm gonna cut out and come back in. <laughs> all
2: right. All right. Uh, no, I was listening to Levon solo records the other day, and. Uh, he sounds. It sounds much more produced. Like it gets into the like late seventies, early eighties, and uh, the drums get a lot thicker and like bigger sounding, which is not really traditionally what the band drums sound like. But it still sounds like Leave On with those thick tones. It's like hard to, you know, hard to do. It's hard to uh, keep that touch and that feel when you start to thicken everything up yeah but uh those those records do sound really good and he was singing a lot of the leads on a lot of the band stuff right not all Mm -hmm. of it but uh you know a lot of the big songs
1: a lot of the big songs like i mean that one that we just listened to obviously uh i I think he's saying in unison i'm not sure who else was singing with him but it sounded like there were two people it was either richard or or uh rick danko singing with him um but that one, like Up on Cripple Creek, he's, he's featured and, and as well as uh, The Weight uh, sings lead on most of the verses usually when it's performed. So a great vocalist as well and really distinctive voice.
2: Uh, the guy who's the closest to playing like Levon, and you can tell he loves him, is the drummer from the band The Deltas with the Z. Uh, I, he is so good at that thing. And he just puts two... Th- it's not even drumsticks. He loves to, like, make these videos on Instagram. of um, He plays harmonica and drums at the same time, which, first of all, no one should be that. Talented. Yeah, I was just going to say that. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, he has just Crazy. the greatest touch and perfect time. And then the videos he's been making recently are just them in the desert or, like, them in the canyon, because I think they're from Topanga Canyon in California. It's like, south of Malibu. And uh, he just, like, finds some random place, finds some weird, like, Steel or some old, like you know, uh, machine equipment or something like that that's like been in the desert for 50 years and it's all rusty. And he just gets like a screw or something and starts playing on it. And you're like, Oh, this could just be a record. Wow, he just like creates these like crazy soundscapes that just sound perfect. And you're like, Oh my god, and he just starts playing harmonica over it. And you're like, Ugh, stop being so talented.
4: (laughs) (laughs) Brett, you had a question, I got so many. Things I wanted. I've been I've been holding this entire time. I have a question time. for
3: Brett too, but go ahead. But
4: you go ahead, Brett, oh,
3: um, So if, if you haven't listened to the last episode, Brett Moline is one of our very good friends, very close family member of the band. Um, he is a comedian writer. He's basically everything you want in in a person. Um, and uh, he's from Nebraska and is living back in L.A. now. Um, so I just want everyone to know who Brett is, if this is your first episode listening. And he's going to ask a question now.
4: <laughs> Thanks, RG's. And you know what? Thank you, props, for saying that I'm from Nebraska. You know me very – that peeps that know me very well. well no.
3: I, I have I have a bunch of Nebraska questions for you later. Uh, okay, great.
5: Talk.
4: No, because pe- people that know me well know that I like to be – you know, introduces from Nebraska because when I went home, I was I was home in Nebraska for a second, and and my cousin would always be like, "Oh, this is my cousin from L.A." I'm like, "I'm not from L.A." You know, I love California. There's a lot of great things about California, but I'm from Nebraska. I'm from small town Nebraska, and I feel like that's a big part of who I am. So I appreciate uh, you saying that, RGS. Um,
3: I got you. Yes,
4: thank you. I mean, yeah. Well, quick backstory: long. I used to play in a band years ago, and and Robert John at our very first gig. Uh, you know, the 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 lineup got messed up by the manager of the place that we were supposed to play. This is like in two thousand seven or eight, and Robert John. I don't think he was even twenty one yet, and was just playing a little solo gig, and he gave up half of his set to us strangers, and just so that we could have a set. And we've been buddies ever since. He's a great, great guy. And I do want to say, anybody listening that's like playing music, that's working at it. If you want to, if you really want to, uh, if you want to pursue, uh, you know, making it as as a band, as a rock and roll band, you look at Robert John and the Wreck because they put in the work. And it. And I was talking to Steve literally about this mm-hmm. right before we got on the podcast. It's not just about playing the gigs it's not just about writing it's not just about playing every day singing every day it's about the social media it's about doing stuff like this with like podcasts it's about um what what is amazing about you guys and what honestly if i could go back what i wish uh, our band would have done a little more of is community outreach and like really being involved in the local scene being seen at local spot as many local spots as you can and and just really digging in to these local spots. Because you go to Robert John and the Rec show. Last one I went to was at the Wafer outside. And there was people from all walks of life who live here who just came to support you guys. Because you're local and you're a good fucking band that has been doing it and work hard. And people recognize that. And when you go on tour, people see that when you're on stage. They see how tight you guys are. And like anybody, it's just like our buddies... Uh, you know walk the moon for anybody doesn't know walk the moon. they shut up and dance with me those guys were the same way you watched them play (laughs) if you didn't know who they who they were by the end of their set you were buying their fucking cd and you guys are the same way and you continue to get better and better every album that you put out this new album i said it last time uh on on the last uh episode i say it again like i've listened to a few of the tracks and it's your best stuff and I'm not throwing, like, I'm not bullshitting you guys. I wouldn't bullshit you guys. If it wasn't your best stuff, I'd say, hey, it's really good. But this is your best stuff. And I think it's dope. And, Andrew, to what you were saying, man, I I believe you. Because listening to it, I hear that. Uh, I believe you with what you were saying of, like, oh, this is, like, perfect. Like, this is the best that this song can sound, you know? I, I, I didn't say that. No, you didn't use the P word. <laughs> no, well, well, that. well, I want to go on. The, I want to go back to that because as a perfectionist, because I, I think you and I are the same. Because I told Steve today we were at lunch and I was like, dude, I was just telling him like the the score that he did for the film that we just got done with. I was like, dude, it's perfect. There's so many things. I'm like, I'm like it's perfect. And I said, Steve, you know I don't use that word ever. And he's like, yeah. I know you don't. <laughs> and so, <laughs> but <laughs> and so like Andrew, I vibe with you. Uh, because we are perfectionists. And I wanted to read you because uh, I So my friend, you know, those master classes. Really? I don't know if you, you know, so my friend's like, Hey, I have a free, literally it's free. If you want to use it for a week, you can use it for a week. So I was watching Judd Apatow cause I, I write and perform comedy. And, but this is what Judd Apatow said. And I, I think that it really applies to all types of art. Um, and he said, the best approach is to constantly be searching for what's wrong. And that made me feel so much better because I feel like even when I'm working with, even today when we're working on shit, I, I, you know, like everything, there's so much good stuff, but I'm constantly like, okay, wait, that one little part, we can fix that. (laughs) (laughs) And I'm sure Steve fucking is like, fuck you, man. This is, you know, but like that my mind just goes to the thing and it's like, this can be better. You know what I mean? But Mm -hmm. that doesn't mean that, that, that the other 90 Nine percent is not amazing. It's just that my mind's constantly going to that, and I feel maybe that you're the same way, Andrew. And so I vibe with you. And it's it, it's how I mean, you know, that's how you know you're just constantly shining down that rock to make it into something, to make it into a crystal, whatever the dumb saying is. And uh, so when you were talking about that, I just I wanted you to know I empathize with you, and and that's what it takes, you know, like listening to stuff and really watching stuff and honing it and honing it and honing it and really listening to each moment and 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 figuring out are we executing that moment you know uh anyway so yeah and and I just want you to know man the few tracks that I've heard is to all of you like it's it's so good and uh yeah I just it's so inspiring to see you guys just um continue to work harder and harder and harder and to make better and better music. And just as some, you know, I don't, you know, I don't, I, we make music, but I'm not like in a band anymore, but it inspires me to just like keep creating and to keep, you know, keep getting better and keep being influenced by, by, you know, musics that music that has already been made. And also music that is like getting made right now that we're listening to. And then people that we're meeting on the road and, and, um, I don't know. It's just like, there's a real visceral, uh, feeling to that when, when, you know, especially to this last year of the shit show that 2020 was, I think that you guys are one of the, you know, you guys are part of that group. That's like, whoa. Cause you knew the artists are going to create some of the best shit that they've ever done. You guys are in that category for 2020. No doubt. Absolutely. It's awesome.
2: I definitely resonated with something well, you said you, earlier. Thank you, bro. We appreciate Absolutely. that. I
4: mean that. That's not fucking bullshit. I mean that. Um,
2: when you said something, and I was trying to uh, do this last night, and as we're getting older and more into it, where you go like, um, everyone's waiting for their arrival, sort of, if that makes sense. You know what I mean? And maybe they talked about that, too, in the Jed Apatow thing a little bit, but... Um, it's this is it <laughs> right like this is it, this is the work this is all it is mm-hmm. it's just the work like that's what everyone you look up to is doing um and maybe in different capacities or something like that but it's not different than that so if you don't enjoy this piece or you're not stopping to smell the roses i guess and go like this is awesome it's kind of what i was talking about like getting to split that bottle of tequila with jeff it's like oh That's the experience. Or even just like something like John's birthday party was like, oh, like this is what we get out of putting in all this work together. And like days like this where we could just hang out and we know everyone. We've known everyone for years. There's not like, you know, needing to meet people. And now we've like built these families everywhere. And that's like, um, that's the reward that people aren't really like talking about yeah like that's the end game or whatever like the end game is a day like you know john's party not necessarily like playing in front of a shitload of people or at hangar or something like that or you know because that like literally that hangar show i don't know if it felt like the, uh, this to you guys it felt like it went by in like two seconds whereas the first hangar show we played felt like a lifetime Every show does. we haven't done it this last hangar show it was just over did you guys feel that way
3: yeah, yeah, no, it was over because it
2: felt so. It felt so good
3: when everything yeah. is working properly and everything's feeling good. It goes like that, and when your mind is racing and you're like, "Man, <laughs> we haven't done this in years." Like the cobwebs are coming off, the rest is being taken out. It it feels like it's even like it feels like it's longer.
4: <clears throat> and you know, this is the other thing on on top of what you were saying, Andrew. Is again like that 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 hangar twenty four show doesn't happen it's not like uh, you know uh john just saw you guys and like oh they're a good band and you know what i mean it's about cultivating relationships it's about earning that respect in the local scene you know what i mean to be able to build to that where you're when now again what we're just talking about with you know it takes years and years of playing the local scene of gaining that notoriety and and just trust of someone like John who's like, I got a huge show. I need somebody that can put on a great show and is a great band. And, you know, he knows that he can go to you guys. And because he's seen you time and time again put on a great show. And that's the same reason you guys got your booking agent. It's the same thing. You know, it's not it's not just, oh, they're a good band. No, you play good show after good show after good show and you bring it every freaking night and that's how you get that's how you gain somebody. Even, even, you look at these labels now, you know, these labels, even the A&R, sorry, my nose is itching. Even the, even the A&R people, right? The, the A&R people, they, they got to see, they got to, <laughs> Robert John's laughing at my itchy nails. They got to see, they, these A&R people, they want to see, you know, everything. They want to see your, your social media growth. They want to see you play, uh, you know, five big shows in a row and fucking crush Every fucking one of those shows. And then maybe, just maybe, if you have enough social media growth, if you have enough, you know, uh, stuff going on uh, on Spotify or whatever, you know, whatever, and then, and seeing you play those big shows, maybe they're going to bring you in for an interview. But the beautiful thing is a band like yours, you know, uh, who knows what, where it goes with a label, but you guys are already doing it. You're already your own thing. So that if and when a label does come along, it's like, you're gonna be able to tell me hey, look if you're if you don't do this right like We're gonna be able to call your ass on it because we've been doing it all yeah. up until now, you know Which that is power and that is like taking it into your own hands and I just again I respect the fuck out of it and like I just it's beautiful because you know again, i've known you guys since 2007 2008 and um, And followed you obviously sent and played with you a few times and and It's just – it's – there's not many people and there's not many bands that have the perseverance to do what you guys have done and you guys – to see you guys now reaching that time. And it's like you guys are fucking ready, you know, because of the work that you've done to get here. You're ready, you know? It's cool. Well, thanks, brother. Yeah, man. I just want you to know, dude, because sometimes, you know, when you're in it, it's like, you know, you don't – get a chance to kind of take a step back and so I just you know I wanted to tell you guys that and also I wanted to ask two other questions where did you meet how do you or where did you meet and and who is like Jeff Frickman like how do you know him whatever and then who's mastering your stuff? and then also and we'll do those first
2: um we played a show at Hotel Cafe in uh Los Angeles and Jeff was just at that show and he was like, Hey, can I buy you a beer? I'm also a drummer, blah, 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 blah. And we just started hanging out and chatting and we got along great. And he's like, Hey, I have a home studio. You should come check it out. And uh, I was like, Yeah, sure. Like, that sounds cool. And that phase of my life is just going out and meeting everyone, like, just, you know, seeing who's who. And, you know, it was a little more aggressive about, you know, doing those things before, you know, I had more of a network. And so. Um, you know, and I'm always looking for just like, oh, maybe we could do vocals there. Maybe we could do this. Maybe we could do that. Like, I, who knows, like, how this will end up working out. But, um, meeting someone is never a bad thing. Having lunch with someone is never a bad thing or something. So anyway, I went and hung out. I looked at his home studio. I was like, holy fuck. Like this, your home studio is better than every production studio in LA. That's not like a Sunset's Down or something like that. Like the places that like are built from the ground up to be studios. In LA, there's a lot of these like um, production rooms that like are, like cookie cutter. Like here's your desk, here's the speakers, here's your like couple of preamp options, and then here's your like very small tracking room, and that's it. And Jeff was like ten times more intense than that. And then he had like uh, his whole house, you know, with uh, snakes and stuff running around and stuff like that, so he can be tracking all over the place. And then he also had like all these crazy drums and stuff like that too. And he showed me some stuff he had done with a uh, uh uh Dwayne Betts am I saying that right correct um and then um he had shown me some stuff that he had got on tv he's like a really good drummer um and so he had done a bunch of tv tracks for like Ellen and he's actually the sound guy for um Family Feud. He's been the sound guy for Family Feud for almost 20 years, I think. Tight. So he just does all these random gigs. And he's another guy who's just like, um, I do this because I love it. And uh, he could tell you, you know, he's definitely not getting paid enough by us compared to what <laughs> Family Feud pays him. So he does this because he loves it. You know what I mean? Yeah. So uh, it's and just another one of those things. And then, yeah. yeah, especially when we were doing it like last night, like mixing it together, it's like, Yeah, like why are we doing this? We're stupid. We just hate ourselves. We want to punish ourselves because we you know (laughs) It's like we love pain or something like that. I don't know. Like why we why do we keep creating stuff? It makes us feel so terrible all the time. But you guys will
4: never you guys will probably never uh, forget last night, you know? That's what's dope.
7: Yeah.
2: No, no, yeah, totally. I'm Uh, starting I, I feel like as I'm getting older I'm like trying to take it in a little more. Yeah. Yeah.
7: Uh,
4: what were you saying? Sorry, I cut you off. You were saying something else.
2: Oh, no. That's how you met Jeff. And then uh, Steve, uh, yeah. you know the guy who's doing mastering, right? Yeah, so I've, I've actually
0: I've never met uh, Michael Fossenkemper in person yet, but um, he works out of uh, Turtle Tone Mastering in New York City. And uh, he, I got introduced to him through, I think it was John O'Brien, who, uh, mm-hmm. who mixed our uh, self-titled record. And also yeah, John O'Brien. Um, produced, uh, produced my solo record, uh, mm-hmm. back in 2018. And yeah, uh, Michael is just incredible and he does great work. He's, he's worked with, you know, on some really big, big stuff, both on uh, the engineering, mixing and, uh, mastering side. And, um, he's fantastic. So I've been using him for everything, Um, that I think we, we, we went with, uh, Ruben Cohen from, uh, Lurson for take me higher. Right. And then, but last Light on the highway was, was with, with Mike and, uh, this new record is with Mike and, uh, yeah, pretty much every, all the late night brunch club stuff is getting mastered by him and pretty much anything that I work on. If I have a say in mastering, I, uh, I go to him and hopefully be able to grab him a beer one day. And uh, meet in person.
4: Hell cool. Yeah. cool. Okay, now questions about your live show. So, back when I used to play, you know, we were touring. John, we had a, It's like you're interviewing us. I know. Well, I got some questions. Like it. Uh, is that okay? Sorry. I, yeah. I, I just, because I'm curious, just because. No, I, I
3: like it. I like it. I, I was okay. genuinely, I
4: enjoy it. Okay, okay. I mean, you know, I don't want to gank your podcast, but I'm just, you know, curious. Uh, no, no, keep going, Brett. Okay. Keep, that, that was that was that was supposed to be a compliment. Okay, okay, thanks to RGS. <laughs> <laughs> also, uh,
2: just gank your podcast is a gross <laughs> phrase.
4: Yeah, <yank, laughs> I just got to point that out. Gank, gank away. Hey, what's up? I'm Bremlin. I'll gank your podcast if you want me. <laughs> uh, I'll fucking gank your mom, dog. <laughs> don't don't let her near me. <laughs> uh, uh, no, so I wanted to ask you. Uh, Two questions about your live show. One, you know, when we were when we were playing back in the day, Johnny was kind of our 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 drummer. Johnny was kind of our general on stage, where you know beyond tempos, you know, if there was anything, if we were running out of time, we would always be like, I don't, and I don't even know why, but we just always John would have the final say on our set list, and like if like if we were going to skip a song, we do this. Or if we were gonna jam out a little bit more on a song, like we'd kind of like we kind of look at John and he'd like give the nod or whatever. And yeah, I don't know. I and so I was curious. Like, do you guys have an on-stage general, or is it just kind of everybody? You know, kind of decides the set list and you kind of just go with that, or or what's you know? Yeah, do you guys have an on-stage general?
2: Um, that's probably me <laughs> and
4: drummer. It must I be got- a drummer thing. Well, it's because they can see everyone. Yeah, I mean, most most
3: of the time it's Andrew.
4: Yeah. Um,
2: And I I learned how to do that in music school when I was like playing big band and stuff like that, or doing these pop gigs, and you know, having to like basically MD the situation. So they used to train us to do that. It's because everyone else is focused on what they're doing and they can't see you, and Mm -hmm. they can't see everyone else. The drummer is the central person on stage that can see everyone. Mm -hmm. So if you glance back. Or like I can, I can speak to people with my bills or whatever. Right. You know, so, uh, right. w- with those sorts of things I can cue without having to just yell, obviously I have my dumb loud voice that is scream at people on stage. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, but, um, I think it's a lot of the time the drummer, unless it's like an artist, if it's like an artist, artist, and there's like one guy, cause we're passing around solos all the time. Like, like there's a lot going on to, and then we don't know what's happening half the time. So uh, if we make it look like we do, we're, we're, you know, pretending half the time. <laughs> but, uh, um, like if there's an, an artist, artist, they want to do what they want to do. You're there for them. You're there to make them look good. And it's almost, they want to cue all the stuff because it makes them look like important and they want to do all this and blah, blah, blah. But like, if Henry's doing like a two to three minute solo or something like that, It can get boring really fast if you're not careful, right? Like, he has to, like, choose what he's doing really carefully. And I'm there to be sort of the double check or the, like, have eyes on this other thing. Like, if he's just in it and there's that guy screaming in my ear that we have to be done in, like, three minutes or something like that, I have to go, Henry, Henry, like, let's, you know, we're moving on or something like that. So you just have a little more eyes in certain places. And we built up that trust over time where... Um, so everyone can focus on what they need to focus on, whatever Robert needs to tune in between songs, like he's not telling everyone what song it is, or you know, um, or whatever it is, they're, they're Henry switching guitars, you know, yeah. Um, so that's usually what happens. I'll look over at uh Warren and Steve and we'll start a song together because uh, they have a lot of work to do or something, you know, in between songs that I don't have to do, so
4: yeah, um. So, when that happens, because I'm so, uh, so my band was not as musically inclined. Marty and John were, Blake and I, not so much, uh, on our instruments. So, uh, we were not that as talented to be able to be like, okay, we're going to just start playing the song and kind of riff on the song while they tune or whatever. So, you know, do you guys do that a lot? And, like, it, are you, what do you do when you. You know, like, say Robert John, you're getting ready to play a song, and say Robert John's like, I got my tune, my guitar's way the fuck out of tune, I got to tune real quick. And it's going to take him 30, probably 30 seconds. So what do you, like, do you guys have a set thing? Like, how do you just start jamming? You know what I mean? Like, do you, it's like, okay, we're just going to kind of play the chord structure, you know what I mean? And just kind of jamming it, and then you give the nod. You know what I mean? How does that work?
3: Well, I mean, the the reason why Cold Night is what Cold Night is, (laughs) <laughs> is because we played, I think, in Buffalo, opening up for the Rival Sons, and my guitar string broke, like right in the middle of the song. And <laughs> so I ran to the back to change my guitar string, and then the guys just kept playing. I
4: changed your guitar
3: string, and that's kind of why. Gig?
4: I think. I think. Yeah, that,
3: that's kind of like why.
7: Wow.
0: I think that happened in Buffalo as well, but it was our first European tour in Congas, Spain. Where I think it was, it was, it was Chris's guitar had a broken string or something and Manny had to run back to the van. And so we had like just a bunch of time to fill. (laughs) Yeah. And we just ended up like,
3: that's why we just
0: did like a, like a piano solo and stuff and just kept tossing it back around until, you know, like we were good to go. And then it's like, cool, two,
4: three. So you count So on stage, you'll count it. You'll kind of look at each other. You'll look at Andrew, you'll and Andrew will count it off, and then, nice. Yeah,
3: because so, basically, like when Steve's soloing or when Henry's soloing, uh, for 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 a jam like that, they're gonna look back at Andrew when they're like ready to go, like right. when they're like you right. know,
4: okay, I've it's, got.
3: The,
0: it's time to or, be done or to the next person, then, when, like you know,
1: yeah. So you that, guys that, are booking. Even that one, even for me, I feel like that that has become so intuitive at this point, doing it so many times. Like that's that's one of the few songs where I don't even have to look back. Like we have the communication on point, specifically between me and Andrew, where it's like I know exactly, like from from the energy he's putting out from the fill, yeah, really long fill Mm -hmm. here, and then we're building and building and building and building, and finally it reaches this point where it's like we can't we can't build this anymore. It's already built to this point. I'm running out of frets, Andrew's running out of notes to play on the drum, and then we build into this crescendo, which goes into the you know leads in the next part yeah. of it at least for like that main really long solo mm-hmm. section that I do in the middle of the song.
3: <clears throat> yeah, I, I agree yeah That's I mean the, there's, the, there's uh, a lot the of chemistry on stage too, right, which, with all five of us, right. Like there's certain there's certain times where we don't have to look at each other and we know like the part's coming. There's a few songs like two bars longer than normal or four bars longer than normal. It just right happens.
0: Yeah, when when, when we get especially cold night when we get to that part that you know
7: (laughs) that thing
0: uh, and Andrew's you know just doing straight sixteenths on the the snare. uh, It's uh, I I look back at him because I'm like sometimes that that's always also like towards the end of the set. Yeah. You know, so sometimes it's like, hey, we gotta shave off a, you know, couple seconds here, a couple seconds there to like be on time, or if mm. especially if we're doing a festival or something like that, where like we could have an encore, but you know, kind of want to get out of the way of of the next band that's coming up, so it's not to like fuck with their time and stuff. Yeah, I just look back, and he's like, no, one more, no, keep
4: going. Yeah,
0: you know, or he's like, yeah, here
4: we go. <laughs> yeah, well, that's why it's fun. Literally, that that moment, the the. Uh, of Andrew doing the straight up uh, because uh, there's a clip of of you of you guys playing at hangar 24 that I just saw on IG where uh, uh, Henry, you're like, well, it's like you're back, but then you can tell that you're looking at Andrew and you're like waiting to come in and then you're just like, uh, okay, here we go. Like, it was just really cool. You know, it was really together and like a really cool moment. And so that's like what made me want to ask those ask that question and then on top of that when you guys uh on your on your albums on the jams on the albums on the on the solos how do you figure that like is it like okay we know henry's gonna take you know four eights here so henry do your thing and then like bring you know and then on the day it's like henry brings in you know a few different takes of of, of a four eight solo or it, or how does that work
1: yeah, that's that's. I mean, I would say that's pretty accurate. Yeah. Um, we'll sort of we'll sort of make an executive decision of like, um, you know, if we like like a lot of like especially there's a new song on the the record where uh, I have a couple solo sections on it actually, and uh, they're like at least twice as long live, but on the recording we make them only like eight bars maybe. Yeah, but live it's like it could be. 16 it could be 24 it could be 32 bars of soloing um it depends on where the vibe is at and how long we want to take with the moment how long i want to take with building up to the next part of the the jam but we try to i think when we're recording stuff you know we know we have a limited amount of time to sort of get the message across that we're trying to get across so it's like you know and and definitely uh in my opinion i think i think um the long solo format um, doesn't necessarily translate uh, in like a studio recording as much as it does even in like a live recording. Right. Right, Um, You don't, you don't have that. It's a much more controlled environment where it's like, you got to make a statement. That's like, you know, kind of contributes to the overall vibe of the song, as opposed to like what you're actually feeling in the the actual moment of the, of the show or whatever it is. Um, But in the studio, it's like, okay and it's two different things like in the studio it's like the the solo is is oftentimes written like i have i I hear i hear the solo in my head as i'm composing it right like a lot of times it's more composed or, or it's built around a few motifs right that kind of pivot the song to the next thing but live it's like i sort of go through these phases of like um you know i hear stuff uh, like I'll hear some of our songs before we even play the show, and I'm like, "Oh, that'd be a cool idea to throw in the mix." And if I can get there and get to the point where I, where I can uh, mentally sort of make the synthesis from you know I hear the message in my brain, it comes out through my fingers. It's really cool to do that, but but you know it's is a much is a much different thing, and they're equally fulfilling for different reasons.
4: Uh, and so you know, so when you're so as opposed to. So for live stuff, before the gig, you may have some ideas, but you, right. you have like a thing that, you know, or like kind of a thing that you usually, are that you've kind of built. Uh, let me ask you this. So in, in stand-up, right? Stand-up, you have jokes that you've written and, you know, you have setups and, and whatever, right? So it's a prepared thing. But of course, live, you know, there may be things that come up or like, you know, uh, off an audience reaction and you may deliver it differently or whatever, but you kind of have a pretty good idea of what you're going to mm-hmm. do. Is, is that similar for for your for you guys' stuff, uh, or, or, or when it comes to jamming, when it comes to soloing uh, for live stuff, like I, like, I, and or if you get something right before the show, you're like, oh, I may try to work that in if I can, but I'm not going to force it.
1: Absolutely, yeah. that that's a really good analogy. Actually, um, I think at, at least for me, like like, I'm taking a lot of the solos. I'm taking a lot of the extended solo breaks. Um, and so at least for me, like that's, that's a really, really good analogy, actually, I would say, cause, cause I could be, I could be in the middle of the song and all of a sudden, you know, I'm playing through the song and all of a sudden this idea, oh man, I should do, you know, I, like, I really feel this, um, this, this, like, uh, I'm really vibing with this idea in the, in the moment. I'm like, oh, I should throw this in. Mm-hmm. I feel like this would be a really cool way to mix up the thing because I, I I tend to incorporate a lot of similar motifs in my solos, but I got to keep them fresh and interesting. And naturally I, I'm more drawn towards the concept of improvising. Yeah. But, but there's a few motifs that are like, like if you listen to a cold night guitar solo, I did a year and a half ago. And the one I did at hanger on Saturday, you're still going to hear, a handful of licks that are like, oh, you know, he played the same thing here. But otherwise, they're going to be completely different because it's like uh, just the way my mind works. I think any creative person works, somebody that work- is working in the moment, working in an improvised medium, uh, your tastes are going to change. Right. The way you express yourself in that in that medium is going to change over time because you're changing.
4: Mm. Has there ever been? Uh, oh, go ahead. I was going to add to that. Yeah, yeah.
2: Uh, I almost don't like getting too comfortable in it and yeah, right.
4: fuck yeah. I, I mm-hmm. almost,
2: uh, like if we're getting too comfortable, especially on tour, I'll just like, fuck everyone up and just, oh, just completely, yeah. completely different because yeah.
4: yes. cause
2: everyone just gets in their own head and they go, Oh, I know what I'm doing. And it's like, no, you don't No, You don't like, it's yeah. not exciting when you know what's going to yeah. happen. So, yeah. You know, it's like watching a movie and knowing it or like if you're doing a play for the 10th time or yeah. something, right. And you know the ending, and you know all your lines, and you just start phoning it in because it's not like, it's mm-hmm. like no, you have to not know how the story ends. None of yeah. us know how the story ends because we're yeah. all contributing at the same time. So, and then I think we've hopefully created an environment where people can take those risks. Yeah, you know what I mean, which is like, uh, especially in the live setting, there's like times we make mistakes. Yeah. But sometimes those mistakes turn into the what's cool about it. Yeah. Or. I'll just fucking start playing like twice as fast or something. Cause I feel like it. Like we yeah. just didn't on the runner or something like that. And then that sort of, we just compose as we go. And then if we have one show that sucked or something like that, it's like, well, sorry guys. Like we tried and, um, that didn't turn out like I had hoped, Right. but then you get things that just like kick ass. And you're like, mm-hmm. Oh, we should do that every time now. And What's I almost like, um, miss. Cause cold night happens so organically, right? It's the thought of like, oh, you guys. It's almost like uh, when people compare it to Freebird or something, and you know all the the moments in Freebird or something. It's like we didn't try to do that; that just happened. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like no one tried to do any of that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. So it was um like I miss having new stuff to do that with. If that makes sense, yeah. Because th- like whatever, if we play every day now, I don't know what's gonna happen. We mm-hmm. can do any dumb shit with that song now because mm-hmm. it's not. We haven't decided what that looks like. I mean, it's, we're just gonna find it out on the stage. So, um, is that
4: the best thing that you guys have found on stage?
2: I, I, I think the audience feels that we don't know what how the story's gonna end. Does yeah. that make sense? Yeah. So we're just as excited as they are, except we have control over it. At that, mm-hmm. like, yeah. I, That's I know a really we have control way to that, over yeah. the outcome. But I am gauging them to decide what kind of decisions to make. I'm feeling them out to go. Do they need more? Do they need less? Do they need, you know, to be surprised? Do they need to like? And I'm trying to think of their reaction as I'm going through the playing and stuff like that. I think everyone is, you know, where am I taking this thing, and where are we going with it? Yeah, and when we, you don't,
3: we, we fuel off the crowd just as much as anything else. Yeah.
4: Well, I mean, I think that's what makes a great live band. That's a rock and roll band. You know what I mean? That's why you guys are fucking good. And you can't fucking do that unless you have the musicianship and more and the confidence and most of all the chemistry and trust on stage with each other. You know, it, you know, again, it, it just goes back to the same thing we were talking about. So to reiterate, so my question, so is that is the cold night jam is that the best thing that you have found that you've kind of written in the moment on stage or like kept, you know, that you, that you did on stage, you're like, Oh yeah, we're definitely keeping that. Or is there any other uh, stuff that you've, you know what I mean? Kept where you kind of found the same way and you kept
0: a lot of the intros and stuff for, for tunes, um, you know, that just kind of happened cause we were like, Oh shit. Like we need to fill some time here because people, people need a tune or whatever, you know? Or or swap out guitars or or whatever it may be. Um, so do that, you just
4: start kind of twinkling on keys and then or what? Or what?
0: Sometimes uh, sometimes Enter will be like, hey, let's let's just groove something real quick and like we'll just hang on like the whatever the yeah. key of the song is. Yeah. And then it's like cool. Like I know what you know my keys do and stuff. And War's you know a fantastic bass player, so he'll just start grooving on a bass line and. We just kind of feel it out and just jam a little bit and, until everybody's ready to go. And yeah. as people get, you know, their situation handled and stuff, they'll chime in and and do that. And that's that's been really fun, man. Like, and sometimes it's when you find something that works, it's like, oh, cool, like that's going to work for for this tour. But I feel like we've we've always been pretty good about like not making that like canon. Like that's not just the that's not now the intro for this song. Like it works for this tour and stuff, but. And now we've had more dialogue too about like oh like what guitars are you you know having to use and what tunings and stuff. So how many can we do back to back without having to like constantly switch? So Henry's not just switching guitars every you know every song, right? And everything. But. War,
2: didn't you say something the other day about that jam we were doing in uh, Arizona when the the brand ambassadors were on stage? Oh yeah.
6: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, that was fun. That was like a. We just – somebody started playing something, and it was just one of those things where we just started going with it. It almost sounded like the theme for song from, like, Shaft. You know, it was right. perfect. Right. It was so, so good. good. The moment was just was It was awesome. amazing. But there's, like – another good example of that is um, we, the last time we played Chinook Fest, we have that song Goodbye Baby. And yeah. we played it double times. So instead of like, goodbye, it was like, goodbye, baby. It was like, wait. And we just did that right there on the spot and went for it. And it like felt good. And we like, I think we did it a couple times after that. But we always knew, hey, if we ever get in a situation where we need to do this, like we kind of pulled this one out of our ass before. So we could definitely do this again. And then it's like, oh, that's how. You know, something or even like that's how like blame it on the whiskey starts where it's like, OK, this is kind of like a, a country thing more than it is even the album version. And I feel like we play the blame it on the whiskey non-album version much more than we do that that normal one. And mm-hmm. yeah, you know, I'm sure that grew organically. I wasn't in the band when that one happened, but, you know, it is like and, and then there's been a couple of shows where we'll we'll get there and we'll go, hey, let's let's do the other way. And then we just go for it, and, and you know, and it, it's cool that we can kind of have that. So yeah, I don't know. You got to play around with that sort of shit.
4: I fucking love it, and I love what you said, Andrew. Is like don't, don't you know, phone it in. Because definitely when we were on tour with our band, that uh, you know, we I, I would catch myself, you know, kind of phone it in. Because it, it is. It's like doing a play ten times, right? And so it's like on the ninth or tenth time, you're fucking, you know, you know your lines. It's kind of like. You're just doing it without even thinking about it. But then you're not in the moment. And then what the fuck are people here to see the live show for, you know, if you're not in the moment? So I really respect that a lot. I also want to say, uh, Blame It on the Whiskey, uh, you know, the original I love the new version that you guys do, but I, the original version is always forever and ever my favorite. Mm -hmm. One of my favorite songs that you guys do. Um, Cue the Whiskey. (laughs) No, but, uh. That I mean, the the dope thing is, is that you would never know. You know what I mean? You guys doing that, and that you guys make it look so easy. And that is so. Even for somebody, I mean, dude, our band toured for three, three and a half years, and like, you know, we were again, Marty, our bass player and, and drummer, they were great musicians, but you know, Blake and I were okay musicians, and you know, we didn't have that uh, type of musicianship and confidence on stage to just be to like, all right, yeah, we're fine, we can just kind of riff on this, whatever, no big deal, and then okay, cool, yeah, let's start it, you know uh it's like you guys it's way easier said than done and i don't know i just respect the fuck out of you guys because i never like even now going to shows i would never know like to me everything looks like yep this is part of the show and we're doing it you know it's never like a it never seems like a uh we're covering sort of thing while you know somebody tunes or somebody switches guitars you know uh but again that just goes back to how long you guys been playing together you just you know anyway Okay, I'm, uh, I'm done with my questions, sorry. I just had no, to ask. No, while you guys the, were talking, I'm like, God, the, I want to ask him, you know. If you want to
2: see, it, 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 it's the very similar to stand-up. I love comedians. Brett probably knows this. Some am constantly listening to comedian podcasts and stuff like that. But everyone talks about, like, if you're going to put together a big tour, like, even, like, huge headliners, they're just in the clubs every night, like, trying out the jokes. Yeah. And people are really surprised when Eddie Murphy says something that's not funny. Yeah. And he has to, like, figure it out. Mm. And those shows for us, I feel like, are, like, the Laguna shows. Like, we're in town. We're just sort of, like, figuring it out. And the Laguna shows are different because they have to be longer anyways just for the format. But um, we're taking ten times more risk at that show because they all know us. They all trust us. They all know we're great. They're not going to turn their back on us. It's not the first time they've seen us. They're going to see us again. We have a relationship with them, and they'll love us regardless. If that makes sense. So those shows, we'll do some wacky shit, <laughs> and then yeah. that might be one of those risks that we take to that live stage. But that's us, you know, going in the club every night and telling that same joke until you feel that audience reaction. And we really missed that on this last record. Like this record is a lot more structured than usual because of that. I think mm-hmm. you know because we didn't get to test it with the uh, audiences.
4: Which is you know, and that's you know, that's okay. You know, that's yeah. it's cool because that's an organic. That was an organic thing that happened. You know, so it's, well, it's kind
0: of cool. Part part of the like, I, I miss I miss that a lot too, and, and I'm stoked on on this record that that we have coming out uh, in the near future. But um, the like, what I always love is when you get reactions from people where you. Didn't even expect it at all. Mm,
4: yeah, you know. Yep, yep,
5: yep.
0: Like we had, we had that experience when we were doing thirty-one and single, and like it's like, hey, we think all this stuff's funny, and then we make all this music for it, and that <laughs> yeah. like it gets a laugh in like the least expected place, and I'm like, fuck, now I gotta go like add six bars to cover for like <laughs> yeah. laughter, you know, like
7: yeah,
0: it's it's nuts, man. Like and that the 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 audience, um, especially at the, at those club gigs, like they Tell us what we need to know on, you know, how to polish things up and, and to finish things and what works and what doesn't and and they like they're they're the ones really dictating like, you know, how many risks we can take and, and how far we can push things before it's just too much or you know, any of that stuff.
2: Um, Brett, I was gonna say one thing. Cause this is like a funny uh uh thing, line I just drew right now. Steve was talking about thirty one and single. So uh, I wrote gold probably when I was like 24 or something like that. And it was just sitting on it for a long time. And there's a line that says, uh, uh divorced when you're 30. And I can't imagine how old I was when I said that, because now I'm 33 and like way past that place <laughs> <of my life. laughs> to even like 30 just sounded so far away at like 24 or something. Yeah. And, uh, that, I feel like that's what's going to happen to you when you're 50, 31, and single's going to be on Broadway, like gigantic, but you're going to be so far away from it, <laughs> and it's going to still ring so true. Yeah. Well, what, what was crazy was,
0: like, we were both 31 when we wrote it. Yeah. You know, and. and I
2: mean, and you're going to get like, further away from it yeah. every we're year. We're turning yeah. 36
0: this year, and, yeah. like, it's like, oh, man, that seems so, so long ago. You know? Yeah, but, for real.
4: Well, Brett, thank you for being <laughs> the one to ask us some questions. Sometimes Yeah, man. Dude, a little yeah. down. No, dude, no worries. I, I just, you know. Yeah, uh,
5: appreciate it. Yeah,
4: dude, seriously, you know, I am, as a you know, a sort of musician and, and former tour and band guy, I just was curious because it's um, you know, you see that on stage and, and, and you know, maybe to a lot of people that, you know, don't perform on stage, they don't see that, but like that is a definite thing, you know, of uh, just the chemistry and kind of uh, how you communicate on stage and who's the person you're looking to to kind of, you know, keep things rolling along and and just how things are created and how things uh, are are improvised on stage, too. Is, is, that's what makes a live show so dope. And you guys' live show is so good, so I just wanted to ask.
2: Cool. What do we have coming up? Uh oh. Um. We we sort of have a tentative release at least month that I feel comfortable telling people about. Yeah, do it uh, for this record. We're not going to say the title. We're not going to tell you anything else. Um, if you want, you can come to one of these shows and I will play the songs for you on my phone.
7: <laughs> <There you go. laughs> I'm coming, I'm I'm coming.
2: <laughs> but we have uh, it's September. It's looking like. Yes. You heard it here first. If anyone gets to the end of this uh, two-hour podcast, you, you <laughs> know when our 10th release date is. <laughs> um, yeah, so that's coming up. We're going to have a bunch of video content coming up with it. We're going to have like a, a ton of stuff. Now we're just in like content planning. So now we're like, how do we do all the things? So we'll have new merch. We'll have new video stuff. We'll be ready to F and go with this record, So, So do we have anything else?
6: Sea Legs, we're playing in Sea Legs at Huntington yeah. Beach on the twenty second of May.
2: Yeah, fun. I've already heard a bunch of people like saying that they're going to come out and like rent to the cabana and stuff like that. So
4: yeah, I can't wait. Is that he, is that
7: a bar or what that, is that? And
3: that's an afternoon show for everyone that's local. It's right on the beach. It's a. Uh, it's basically like a little bar right on Bolsa Chica Beach, and uh, we play in the afternoon from like two to five. So it's during the day, at the beach in May. It sounds like a great place to yeah. be. It's a hot sounds gig. Fun, literally. If I were you, hell yeah! It's super hot gig. <laughs> I think last time we played there it was like August though, so I think it was yeah, it'll it be very hot. hot this time. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's
0: crazy. Well, speaking speaking well, of speaking,
3: hot things, speaking of hot things,
0: um, we got a uh, we got another another Brett Moline original <laughs> okay. tune here. Uh, queued up um that you can find on his Patreon page uh <laughs> patreon dot com backslash Brett Moline. Um so this is uh war war played on this, uh Henry played on this and I played on this. And um it's a very fun song that was a bunch of fun to put together.
7: <laughs> it's real dope. And it's
0: called Parents Hot Tub. And uh, so be good to each other. Have a wonderful week, everybody, and get wrecked. Here's Parents Hot Tub by Brett Moline.
7: Growing up in a small town, it was the little things. S'mores by the fire, staying up all night and your parents' really big hot tub. It was deep as so hell, we'd sit for hours I was small enough to swim in your deep hut I miss being completely submerged in your bare inside I used to die for rings in your bare I kept the next to see that was in your bare Miss grabbing Even when I turned 16, I could stand in the middle of that hot tub and be completely submerged when I stood in the middle of that hot tub. Hot tub, hot tub, hot tub. The other fellows being mad at me. Cause my nipples were the only ones I wouldn't freeze. I used to have them count while I held my head underwater. This being completely submerged in the parents', hot tub. With your parents hot tub The one place the cool your parents are tough Things I wouldn't have done If there wouldn't have been for your parents i done I hid from my parents and your parents i done I'm here today, cleaning leaves at the bottom of your hot tub. I got hired by a landscaper in town. I needed a second job for my second DUI. I miss being completely submerged in your parents' hot tub.